Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And once again, we'd like to welcome you to Freedom to Choose uh, and our series on the life. And if you're keeping score, this is program number 15, Walking on Water, part two. And we're glad to have you with us. And uh, before we get started, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Lord, we just thank you so much that um, you've given us an opportunity to come here and to speak about your um, greatness and your ability to walk with us through the storms of life. And uh, it seems like uh, everything seems to be crashing around this world right now. And so we're grateful that you are there and that we can trust you. We ask now that you will send your spirit to be with everyone who is here listening, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, and I, I, I like what you said in that prayer, that, that everything's kind of going on around us, and and uh, we're glad that we have God that we can trust, that no matter what happens, he's with us. He didn't pr- promise to save us from storms, but through storms. And I think that's, as we look at the perspective today on what we're doing, what we're going to talk about, I think that's a really important thing to remember. Right. You know, because yeah, we'll go through the the lesson that we have, and we'll see how um, even the disciples who walked with Jesus questioned or, or had um, a lot of fear, and uh, you know, we can experience that in our daily walk with Christ. We can experience that same type of fear, and um, to not recognize that no matter what Jesus is always with us with us. Yeah, you know and I, and I and as I think about things I think for me when I when I get the most fearful is when God doesn't meet my expectations. Right. When something doesn't happen the way I think you expect and, or the way you expect I it expect to. it to happen. Yeah. I remember and you you said something to me the other day was this, was, was uh, there's a new way of looking at things. It's not right. happening to you, it's happening for you. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Whoa, that's that's a that's a deal maker there, and so and well, and I think that's why we have these stories in the Bible and why they're so important and how we can look at them and grow from them. It's not just words on a page or stories we tell. Um, it, it really can be life lessons, and we can look at them and say, "Man, I feel like I'm on a boat on a on a river that's then and it's ram." It's, it's feel like I'm in a rampage right now, if yeah. that's the correct term. Well, or you know, a tsunami where things are so out of control that I have um, nothing to hold on to. And we see, and I think these stories are in there for our benefit, we see that all of these great men that were going to be the light of the world, what they went through in regards to struggling 
to trust Jesus, even though they were with him. Right, because I think that's the biggest thing of the Bible, is that these, you know, somewhere in the Bible it says holy men of old, but the reality is that that all the people in the Bible, other than Jesus, were just like you and me. They had the same struggles, the same fears, the same... um, They had to gain the remedy over their self, just like we have to. And so... In times that of uncertainty, um, you know, we just to remember, we need to remember that Jesus said, um, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, it's we're in some really good practice ground right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, we're in. Yeah, Boy. yeah, you know, and it's not really do you trust God so much as what do you trust Him to do, or 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 what, what else are you what, trusting? Yeah, what are you expecting exactly. out of Him? So right. now, remember. The precursor or or the event leading up to Jesus walking on the water was a great disappointment. Remember the disappointment? They were trying to make him king of Israel and defeat the Romans. Remember that what their expectations out of their Messiah was wrong, and they became disappointed because of not because of who Jesus was, but because of their expectations of what he was going to do. Right. So when he um didn't allow them to declare him the king when Jesus said no um I, you cannot declare me as a king it, it was definitely a turning point in his history um and everybody had kind of like um became aware of of a big change those that um love him today turn from him the next day their their disappointment is what his mission was would turn their love to hatred and their praise to curses because they had that wrong view of who he was and what they expected from him. Um, and we can, we can remember in Matthew eight twenty, he said, "The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man does not have anywhere to lay his head." And here they expected him to come over and just rule, rule, right, and, with, yeah, a, and, with an iron hand. Yeah, and instead he kneels down and washes feet, and whoa, you know. So the context of Jesus walking on the water was the fact that he needed to remove the deception that he was going to sit on the throne of David and annihilate their enemies. What Jesus was going to, what, in fact, well, what was he going to deal with? He was going to, there's an old saying, you want to change the world, start with you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the message that Jesus was trying to get across was, people, I'm here to go between your ears. I'm not here to fix everything outside the way you think it ought to be, you know? Right, because um, their disappointment had that it had completely absorbed all their thoughts. They were in the midst of troubled waters. Their thoughts were so stormy and unreasonably so that the Lord gives them something else to trouble their souls and to occupy their minds. God often does this when we create burdens and troubles for ourselves and danger is approaching. You know, a lot of times we can worry about the small stuff in life and and the bigger thing is looming and we miss it because we're so focused in on the on the small detail and or, or, we miss uh, that bigger picture. Yeah, or have you if you ever we if we ever get focused on a small detail and start to worry and trouble ourselves start praying for some people. Right. And think of the and I, you know I did that this morning actually I was I was quote unquote actually feeling sorry for myself, right? I I did yeah. Who me ever feel sorry for myself? Self pity, yeah, that's that's a great one. Anyway, so I started thinking of some friends I was praying for. Mm-hmm. You know, right? 
one's just got done with chemotherapy and and he's he's just got done with that and I think he's going to do all right. Another one is dying of cancer. Another one's kidneys are failing. Right. And, and and I'm worried about these little things here and I'm in this pity party. And I, I'll tell you what, that is a cure for your pity party. You start praying for people who really have problems. Absolutely. And the, and the thing is, too, is that um, not, not only uh, fill our heads with praying for other people, but also try to fill our heads with gratitude. You know, to be grateful for, for where we are and, and knowing that God is walking with us down this path and just to be able to to be grateful, hey, I woke up today, mm-hmm. right? And I, I ha- God's given me that ability to switch my mind from self onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's that's a big. We thing. have that ability to choose. Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah. Well, it, and the Bible says, you know, we become what we um, worship and admire. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's best not to be consumed with, you know, what's happening um, all the time within our own little. Well, you know, and I've also found, and I have to be reminded of it all the time, is when I'm worried about my own performance, I'm in a world of hurt. But if I can focus on Jesus, you know, there's an old saying, a man of faith is focused on Jesus. Mm-hmm. A man of works is worried about his own performance. He's right. at, and that is, a, that, is a, a, that is a a road to nowhere for me is start focusing on my own performance because I don't do very well. Right. But Jesus does. So right. I got to focus on him. Okay, so the boys are in a boat. The disciples are in a boat. And remember that some of these guys are experienced fishermen and a brutal storm's coming up on them. And they're not prepared for it. And it was a sudden contrast. And, you know, we've had times like that when all of a sudden out of nowhere it's raining like crazy. Well, <clears throat> up until then, the day had been perfect. And when the storm hit, they became afraid. And everyone was working to keep the boat from sinking. But then... The exhausted men gave themselves up for lost. In the storm and in the darkness, the sea had taught them about their own helplessness. You ever been through a trial where you try so hard to make it happen yourself and finally you realize, look at I can't control any of this. Right. And then you realize your own helplessness. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the last resort is we turn to God. Right. You know. And and in this instance, Jesus had not forgotten him. He was on the shore and he saw how fear stricken they were and how they were fighting for their lives. But you know what? He never lost sight of his disciples. He his eyes followed the boat with his that had his friends. And remember, these men were supposed to be the light of the world. They were going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And but as a mother watches her child, so the master watched his disciples. And when they realized their helplessness and humility, prayed for help, help was given. It's just like with us, you know, he never loses his watch on us. He's no. always there for us. No. And I, th- I think that uh, sometimes we do feel all alone, and, you know, and at the moment when they now these guys are fishermen. They know when the boat's going down. They, they know when things have gotten out of control. And, and at that moment when they were sure that they were lost, a gleam of light, if you can just imagine, revealing a mysterious figure approaching them on the water in the storm. But they don't know that it's Jesus. They don't know that it's the one that has come to help them. And they're, they're in doubt, and they actually think he's an enemy. You ever been there? Mm-hmm. You ever someone's tried to help you, but yet, I mean, for twenty five years of my drug addiction, 
Right. There was so many people that God was working through trying to help me, but I wouldn't listen. I recognized them all as enemies. Right. Well, because they were contrary to what I wanted to do. And I know this probably isn't a super popular position right now, but I'm really thankful that um, that there was laws put in place when I had gotten um, when I was in my drug addiction. Because had it not been for law enforcement and the justice system to um, well, neither take w- me out of of the the um, the place I was in, I would not be alive today. And so. I did look at them not only as the enemy, but as the cause of my addiction. Your problems. Yeah. No, neither one of us would be clean and sober right now had there not been consequences and uh, for you going to jail. And that would gave you the opportunity to get a clear head and look at the, the you know, we got to look at both of our lives and, and, you know, what we had done and what we had tore up in our lives, all marching Along in selfishness, right? So a lot of times we don't see, we can see something as an enemy, but it could be the best thing that happens to yeah. us in our life. Yeah. So they were in such terror that it completely overwhelms them, and their all their eyes were riveted on the vision of this man walking upon the white capped waves of the foaming sea. And they think it's a ghost coming for their destruction, and they cry out for fear. Right. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, he comes close, and they recognize him, and they cry out for his help. Wow. And of course, his voice will silence their fear. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. Peter was almost, I can imagine Peter just, whoa, what a relief. Because he's the, you know, he's the lead dude in the, in the boat. He's the fisherman, right? And he knows he's going to go under and now he sees Jesus. Right. And he cries out, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water and Jesus said, come. You know, that's interesting, too, because the, the, the Bible text says, if it be thou, did Peter recognized him. He still had a little bit of doubt. Mm, if, mm-hmm. you know. So looking at Jesus, Peter, he walks on the water. But in his self-satisfaction, he glances back towards his friends in the boat. His eyes are turned away from Jesus. Boom, here's a storm again. The wind is blowing, the waves are rolling high, and they come between him and Jesus and he gets afraid again. Right, because in a moment, Jesus is hidden from his view, and his faith gives away, and Peter begins to sink. He lifts his eyes up away from the angry waters and fixes them upon Jesus and cries, Lord, save me, and immediately Jesus outstretched his hand, saying, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Why do we? Why do we? In fact, do you see the lesson here that even in the middle of the storm, and we know God is there to help us, and still our pride, we take our eyes off of Jesus. When Peter turned his eyes from Jesus, his footing was lost, and he sank in the waves. You know, when trouble comes on us, a lot of times we'll act just like Peter. We look at the waves instead of Jesus. Our foot slides, and we can draw, get drawn into the waves of, and there's that word, pride. What, what is it about pride that is so devastating to our condition? What was the, what was the first real issue in the universe? Well, we, we're told in the Bible that it was um, God's creation of, of um, the being Lucifer, and through Lucifer's 
you know, constant desire to have more than what he had, he turned himself into an adversary, someone who is against God. Yeah. And he he wanted to do it himself. He he looked away from the source of the power and thought that he had the power from within. Yeah. And I think that's our problems that we we think that we have some power to um you know, to overtake the enemy on our own or to make things come out on our own when the power can only, you know, the power that saves and the power that changes us is from God, yeah. not not from ourself. We, we, we have a cooperation with that power, but we're not the source. Yeah, we're not the source of power. Lucifer means light bearer. Right. He was God's mouthpiece to the entire universe. He was the light bearer. Mm-hmm. He became Satan or Satan, mm-hmm. the adversary, because he has the same problem, or I want to say we have the same problem he does. We want to run the show, and um, none of us are qualified to run the show because none of us see everything, do we? Right. Right. We can look at the condition of the world today, and this is what happens when humans are in charge. You know, you have hate and and destruction, and um, I think that I think that the the down what the one of the main problems of the human condition is that we want for ourselves more than we want for others. Yeah, and this this world is this earth is a laboratory yeah, on experiment. what happens when a planet is run on selfishness. Mm-hmm. When a planet chooses another leader and serves self, the power and I, I always go back to this I want to find out what God's power is. It's in serving, it's in washing feet, it's in talking to the woman at the well. It's at not condemning the woman that was thrown down in a That's where his power is. Right. His power is Fixing the human condition so it wants to serve others and so it wants to be selfless and think of others. And but right the way we are now and and way we like to run things and that's they that they misrecognized him and thought he was going to come and do what they they wanted him to do and he's going to come and he's going to fix our natures is what he's going to do. Right, and so I think that's the big thing. We're always looking outside of us to see the issue with someone else. Yeah. And God is saying, enough of enough of that. Yeah. Just go ahead and let, let me work with you. Yeah, let me work and, with you. And heal your heart and don't worry about it. Then, then you can go about and, well, I think the part, the healing part happens by helping others. Yeah. You know, and that's and so when when we refuse and we want to only think of self, that's where the the condition just gets worse and yeah. worse. Yeah, it's a spiral, right. downward spiral. Yes. Uh, and let's talk about a little bit about pride, because it stunts your growth. How it stunts your spiritual spiritual growth. How I uh, think about this: how stunted do you have to be? that God in human flesh can't convince you that he's God. This actually happened on this planet. Mm-hmm. Jesus came, God in human flesh, and could not convince the religious leaders that he was God. Pride will allow you to be so smart you can actually feel like you've accomplished something even after you've recovered from addiction. You ever give ourselves a pat on the back for doing that, even though God did all the work? Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I think that's part of the enemy's um, plan is to convince um, 
you know, that's his, been his plan all along is to uh, place um, the I to, to place his character. Yeah. In 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 us and to view God as our enemy and as as and us as the powerful ones. So yeah, it's kind it, of a upside very well down. Put. Yeah. Upside down I heard a I heard a a, a speaker one time uh, I think it was an AA speaker one time he said was talking about it's like a fighter in a ring. Pride is so cunning is we throw in the towel, we surrender, we get clean and sober, and then we take that towel back one piece at a time. And our pride starts to swell, and we get a house, and we get a car, and next thing you know, we start thinking, hey, I'm doing pretty darn, I'm pretty comfortable now. Mm-hmm. And the old person starts coming back, and we start looking out, I need this, I need this, I need this. I don't know that I need Jesus that much anymore. I'm I'm staying clean, you know, right. and, and that can happen. Well, and I think that can happen to anybody. You know, we go along, and uh, life is pretty good, or life is bad, and we just you know, want to run on our own power and our yeah. own energy. And it, it's, it's just, uh, um, it's just going to end up in destruction. Yeah. I mean, even one third of the angels were convinced by Satan that, um, that his picture of God was true. So just like, um, the, the religious leaders were convinced that Jesus was their enemy the heavenly angels that had a perfect father and a perfect environment. Perfect a, brothers and sisters. Right. Everything was perfect, but they believed the lie. That's how cunning the lie is. And I, th- and I that's think how- that that's the issue on the, the, earth, the earth today. And a lot of times, I think as Christian, we, pro- we um, project that lie mm-hmm. by our own behavior and how we treat people and yeah. how we, the things that we say. I think that we perpetuate that lie. I think you're right. So the question, of course, and we talked about this earlier, was not do you trust God? The question is what kind of God do you trust? Who are we putting in charge of our lives, us or God? Is our God a giant vending machine in the sky, one who's there to obey our commands? I notice in my prayers I kinda, I'm kind of telling God what I want, what I need, what should happen, what I'm asking for, and it ends up being a one-way conversation of me being God and God being my servant, you know? Right. Is he one there to annihilate our enemies? Is that what he's there for? In other words, our own Romans? Is mm-hmm. that way, you know, him to fix all of and, and annihilate our Romans? Because we've all got Romans. Or is he, is he only there to walk us through the hard times and the stormy times and when everything's fine, we don't need him? You know, what, what kind of a God do we trust? Right. And so I think that um, the more that we can uh, search the Bible stories with a lens of Jesus is there to save us, but not only us, but even our enemies. Yeah. And he says, don't fear, regardless of what's going on around you, you um, that you don't have any control over anyway. Um, uh, don't fear. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. You are mine. And so when we tr- pass through the, the troubled waters— He's going to be with us. Yeah. And and that's a good quote from Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, that there it, we do not have to fear regardless of what happens No, we don't. You know, and, and if you think about this incident of the storm, Jesus knew that the disciples were going to have a lot more storms come up. Right. And so this incident here was just making them stronger, you right. know? What happened? 
And so that's for us in our for lives. For us, too. It's not happening to you, happening for right. you. Right. So the storms we go through today, are they strengthening us for the future storms? And are they settling us into the picture of God that we can love and trust him no matter what, no matter what happens to us? Yeah, or are, we, or are, we, are storms making us angry, and so we want an angry God to, to or, annihilate Right, him. or do we not turn to God? You know, you stop and you think about all those people who were uh, burned at the cross. Yeah. You know, burned through their the whole stake, life, yeah. they, or I'm sorry, yeah, burned at the stake. Their whole life, they had to be in preparation for that. Yeah, yeah, and so, and and they were, and they made it through it, and of course, they're they're on the other side, you know. Right. Yeah. So, um, it, it, I like talking about this type of topic because this is at the core of Christianity, and a lot of time it's not talked about that much. Is that we want to change things? Start right here. Start with Rich. Start with Susan, because. That's the only way it's going to happen. That's the only way. Um, well, we're about ready to wrap up here, folks. Uh, you can give us a call at 916-645-1297 or uh, our website, www.justasiamministries.com. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening, and remember... You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.